Hello, everybody. You're listening and watching the Root Horror Podcast. I'm your host, Marcus. And today I have a special guest who's a filmmaker. Uh, he's made films such as Better Safe Than Sorry, Veronica Skeletons in the Closet, Good Morning, The Kids' Revenge, and several other ones, including upcoming films The Visitor and Sorry for the Mess. Uh, my guest today is Dylan A. Young. Uh, he's director, writer, producer. So welcome to the show, Dylan. Thanks for having me on, man. I appreciate it. Yeah, no problem. No problem. Uh, yeah, we've, we've been sort of like online friends for a while. Just, you know, we're, we're fans of the horror genre. So, you know, we, we always, uh, will like and comment on, uh, you know, some of the stuff that we share and, uh, you know, little did I know that, uh, that you know you worked on films with like director charlie steeds on like death ranch yeah and sort of from there it's like oh yeah i just had charlie on my show and then you know kind of spiraled into you know talking about your films and and uh i was like oh man like dylan's been doing a lot of stuff so yeah i definitely need to get him on the show and charlie's always doing tons of stuff too it's like have him on every few months he's got a new movie to talk about Right, right. I, I uh, recall from like the last time I had him on, he was working on Freeze, which yeah. is his newest H.P. Lovecraftian. Yeah, yeah. Freeze, great. I got to see an early screening. Uh, we worked on a film together back in October. He came to the U.S. to make another movie. Um, I play the killer scarecrow in the film. And um, while we were making that he screened freeze for us and it was a really good time i think it's probably his best film yet nice man yeah i'm i'm anxious to watch that one just because i i really dig hp lovecraft films um i mean i would say that there are several ones but like there's not really like a whole lot of hp lovecraft films right and this so, one's like yeah. very Lovecraftian, and he actually won like best film at the Lovecraft Film Festival. Um, he went out uh, to Portland, Oregon, to that festival while we were making that movie, Night Harvest, the Scarecrow movie, mm-hmm. and I ended up taking home that prize uh, during the middle of the shoot. So we were all real happy for him. Wow! Wow! Yeah, awesome, man. Yeah, congrats, Charlie, if you're watching or listening. <laughs> um, yeah, man. Uh. Uh, so like with with your films that you've like directed and wrote um a lot of them are like short films do you plan on making like a full-length feature film or so i shot a full-length feature film in september 2020 um it's almost done i've just really taken my time with it editing um I've got a little bit of like sound correction work, um, sound mixing and color correction, and then it'll be done. So I would say the plan for it is probably just put it straight to Tubi um, by the end of this year. Awesome, man. Awesome. Yeah, it's uh, it's like a two-hander cabin in the woods kind of movie. Um, it's about this uh, widowed lady who lives on this farm property by herself and one night there's a storm and this dude shows up and knocks on the door and he's like covered in blood he's like my car wrecked there's no service out here in the middle of nowhere at your farm I couldn't find another house like would you please let me in to use the phone and it's like this thing it's like a constant like struggle of like trying to decide which character you trust throughout the film Hmm. 
Interesting, interesting. Yeah, I'll definitely have to watch that one. Um, there, there's one film that uh, I think I maybe seen like the festival cut, but like uh, the Kids' Revenge. Yeah. Uh, which I think is one of your newest ones. Yeah, it's the uh, most recent besides um, "Sorry for the Mess." Uh, Sorry for the Mess was shot Black Friday weekend and hasn't been edited yet, but The Kid's Revenge was shot at, like, the end of September, beginning of October. Okay. Yeah, like, I I really wanted to mention that film because, I mean, you really don't see a whole lot of, like, Western horror. And, you know, this is this being a short, like, I could definitely see this being a full length. Um, You know, I I just love how... uh, the cinematography uh captured like uh i guess like towards the end like uh when the kids is all covered in blood and getting ready to do like the uh standoff um i i just thought that was so cool like just the the cinematic aspect of everything was like man like this definitely could be a full length man well, thanks, man. I appreciate that. And shout out to my DP, Adam Chapman, who shot the thing. You know, he did a great job. He's always down for projects. He just shot my recent Sorry for the Mess. So I'm excited to get that out there, too. But yeah, that, that project, The Kids Revenge, was a lot of fun. Um, there's the Knoxville Horror Film Festival. Uh, they had picked up my film Good Morning. So I was like, oh, I want to go down to this. And I saw that they were doing this contest called The Grind House Grind Out. And it was like, it's kind of like a 48 hour film festival, but they gave you two weeks to make a a fake grindhouse movie trailer. So I went down in person and I, it was like a a draft style to pick your genre. And I got last place, but I still made out with spaghetti Western, which I've always wanted to do something like that anyway. So it was like, all right, a horror themed spaghetti Western, let's go. So uh, we had two weeks to turn it in. So that's the version that you saw. And it ended up winning first place, which was really cool. But, um, there's uh, just like a new kind of tighter cut now that I've had like a little extra time to tweak it a little bit that it'll be coming out soon. Awesome. Yeah, man. Yeah. Uh, you know, like I'm not like a, a big into spaghetti Westerns or at least I haven't like, like really dove into a lot of spaghetti Westerns, but um, this one really caught my attention. Like, uh, you know, like, like mentioning that this is sort of like a horror spaghetti Western, like, you know that's really something that it hasn't really been done or you don't really see a whole lot of so right and it's like a revenge thriller kind of so it kind of fits into the horror genre that way a little bit too but how about that neck slip though that was a pretty crazy gag oh yeah man (laughs) i I definitely wasn't expecting that but i was like damn like that's that that was intense man <laughs> yeah that was so much fun to do great acting the special effects were done super well i was really happy with it yeah yeah and yeah it just it looked looked realistic and just well made like you know i it was almost like watching like uh you know a western uh preview for like uh something like tarantino would make or Eli Roth or something you know what I mean that was pretty much the goal I even like watched the Thanksgiving trailer a couple times beforehand and um just some of those other grindhouse trailers that kind of like started this revival whenever they did that double bill um so that you know that was some of the inspiration going into it and I've always been like big on 
you know, 70s and 80s, like horror and genre films. So it was just like, I felt right at home making it. Right. Yeah. Yeah, man. And congrats for winning the winning uh, the first place on that film. Yeah, thank you. And I would say if, uh, if I could suggest two spaghetti westerns that people don't talk about too much, it would be uh, Day of Anger which was like a bit of uh, a bit more of an inspiration for the kids revenge. And then uh, the big gun down. Those are both really solid films. Charlie actually got me to watch the big gun down. Okay. All right. I'll definitely have to, to check them out. I, you know, for a while I, I added some spaghetti Westerns to my list and uh, haven't gotten around to them, but um, yeah, definitely after watching your short, I'm like, yeah, I need to to get back into They're know, fun. some westerns. Oh yeah. And if you haven't seen Bone Tomahawk, I mean that oh, is yeah, amazing. You gotta check that out. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Bone Tomahawk. Amazing. Yeah, that one. Great cast, great script, real wild effects. Super good film. Right. Definitely agree. Um so, like, uh, I guess uh, another film you made, uh, Better Safe Than Sorry. Uh, yeah, that was the second film I shot. Okay. Uh, could, could you tell us a little bit about Better Safe Than Sorry? Yeah, so Better Safe Than Sorry is basically a film about, like, generational trauma and how some of, like, the issues that you face in life, your children are going to face and, like, being prepared to deal with that. Um it's funny how that movie came about because my first film was Veronica and then I went to go make a, a fantasy horror film in Nashville, Tennessee. And I went down to Nashville and I went to go get food for everybody. And when I got to Walmart, like it was chaos and I realized that COVID panic had hit. So like everything was selling out and I start getting all these texts about like, hey, I can't work on this movie anymore. And like by the end of the night, like we were shooting the next day and by the end of the night, like probably 80% of the people that were supposed to come like act in or work on the film had to cancel, which like, I get it. It just sucked. And I had already invested in some gear and an Airbnb and an actress had already traveled. And I was like, I can't just like lose out on this money. You know, I've got to do something with it. So I had had um, the idea for this movie while I was on set for this movie called the alpha test that i was working crew on and both of that lead actresses from better safe than sorry are in alpha test and i was like man it would be cool to make like a feature one day that's like <clears throat> kind of like something like burying the x and it's about like you know a mom and a daughter and they go through a bunch of trauma and have to deal with like a shitty boyfriend character and so that night I was like, you know, we're filming tomorrow. I let everybody know we were filming something new. I called the dude that's in the movie, Brad, my friend. And I was like, Hey, can you come out tomorrow and do this for me? And he was down. So I just stayed up all night writing that. And then we woke up really early. I finished the script on the way to go get props and stuff. And we started shooting. We had two days to do it. It was super fun. Heck yeah. Heck yeah. And you know, it's, it's hard to, uh, to like really like criticize like a short film just because like i mean they're they're so short right so um like not really criticize but like you know i wouldn't say like hard to review but like they're just they're so short and like things just happen so fast that it's like it uh, it's hard to 
you know, it, it's hard to like review them, I guess, but right. um, you know, that watch pace, you know, it's like, I, I cut a scene and a half out of that just to make sure I could hold the audience's attention for a short film. Cause it's such a different experience than a feature. Right. But like, you know, watching several of your shorts, like they're, they're all entertaining. Like they're not like boring shorts. Like there's, you put so much in these shorts. Um, you like you make every second count is I guess is what I'm saying. Thank so, you. yeah. So like, you know, watching your shorts, like, you know, they're, they're all entertaining to watch, even though, you know, short films are short films. Um, but you could definitely tell that like, just like the way that you shot the films, um, it, you, you made them look like, like they're not low budget. Like they, they seem like, you know, like legit short films. I appreciate it. Yeah. It's like, there's a lot of planning, <clears throat> just like the more that you plan, the more you can get away with using a low budget and making it look like a high budget, you know? Right. Yeah. That That's, that's like what I was most impressed about was just, you know, how well that you utilized everything around you and, you know, making this look like as most professional as possible. Yeah. That's like always my goal. Cause it's like, you know, I want to work in big studios. I want this to be my career. And it's like the easiest way to do that is be like, Hey, you know, with next to no money, I can make the quality that you're making with millions of dollars. So you should hire me to use the millions of dollars to make something even cooler. Right. That's the goal. Heck yeah, man. That's, that's, that's good mentality. And hopefully someone, you know, is watching this, they could, make that happen that would be awesome <laughs> um you know you mentioned that your first short veronica um was your first short and i wanted to mention that one because uh that one kind of gave me like uh maniac vibes in a way that's the main inspiration for it yeah for <laughs> sure um so maniac and then like kind of like a little bit of like combat shock with like the aesthetic and stuff if you've seen combat shock um and yeah i was really happy with like what i was able to achieve and i think the composer is really like to be credited heavily on that i think that the score is very reflective of those late 70s early 80s you know gritty synth kind of movies i wanted to have that vibe of those movies set in new york at the time you know new york ripper and maniac and that kind of stuff so yeah that was the goal so i'm glad that it shows right yeah and you know can't really see but yeah i i'm a oh, big nice. fan of maniac yeah. so Palmer press flag is that what that is yeah yeah so yeah i i really dig like you know maniac like uh them types of films where um the focus is more like following the killer rather than trying to hide who the killer is. Like, right, instead of it being the reveal, have you seen uh, the Maniac remake? It's also really solid. Yes, yes. Uh, Elijah Wood. I I couldn't believe that he pulled off the role so well. Oh, it's just so good. And then, uh, did you ever see the last horror film with Joe Spinell? Yes. Yep. That I, really that one. Too. I think, you know, it's kind of slow and it gets a bad rep, but like overall, like it's a really cool movie. Yeah. Yeah. It, you know, it's, it can be, I guess, considered like very close to maniac. Yeah. But, um, there's, there's a little bit of differences, but, uh, what I was kind of most like 
I guess like I couldn't believe they pulled it off was they actually filmed some scenes at like the Cannes Film Festival and then just enter, you know, inserted right. that into part of the film, which it's like uh, part of the plot of the film. Like they couldn't have gotten away with the movie otherwise. Yeah. Yeah. Like, you know, it, that kind of actually had like a big there was a big part of them being at the Cannes Film Festival. And then, you know, they're shooting this film during it, which, you know, I don't know how they pulled it off, but I mean, they they did pull it off. There's some great uh, photos from that trip of uh, Joe Spinell and Sylvester Stallone hanging out, walking around Cannes. They're pretty cool. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he, you know, he, he was definitely an underrated actor, um, you know, I think, uh, you know, him getting noticed in the Godfather movies and then, you know, that kind of trickled down to to work with. I mean, thankfully that he worked with Bill Lustig. Otherwise, we probably, you know, we wouldn't get some of those those uh, gritty horror films. Right, because it's like we wouldn't have stuff like The Undertaker. You know, they wouldn't have hired Joe Spinell for that. Right, right. Yeah, that's, that's another film that, um, you know, is... I would consider like very well not known because um, whenever people think of Joe Spinell, they think of like a maniac right away. Yeah, absolutely. And so him sort of playing, I mean, I guess he kind of plays like similar characters in his films, but um, he, he just pulls off that character so well. Like yeah. there really isn't a lot of, uh, um, I mean, there, there's people out there that can pull off those types of characters, but like, just like that, that dirty, gritty, like sleaze ball type of character, he just <laughs> he nails that character so good. Right. Are you familiar with Mister Robbie? What was supposed to be Maniac Two? Yes, yes, I watched the, uh, I guess like whatever footage that they had on the Blu-ray or the yeah, 4K. Yeah, that would have been so cool if that could have been turned into a feature to see him being, like, the kids' host show dude that's, like, <laughs> killing all these, like, children's horrible parents. Right. And awesome. Yeah, I I was trying to think of, like, what movie that reminded me of, but um, I don't know. I, I can't really think right offhand, but, like, uh, I think it would have been a, a well-entertaining film along with Maniac. I mean, we got to see like the the frying scene where he puts that guy's face on the on the, uh, the grill. Yeah, yeah, in a way, yeah. Um, I I think it it would have probably done very well. Um, kind of like how Maniac is with like cult status. I mean, at the time, it probably wouldn't have been well received just because of all the backlash that it got. Just so that controversial like, right and that's why he wanted to play such a different character in the sequel because like that was part of spinel's thing is he didn't want to make a sequel unless he was like playing a different character and uh that was like uh why he was like so down to do that version of the film and like that type of sequel and honestly like i'd love to see somebody get to make I'd love to make it um a, a mr robbie movie with elijah wood i think that would be so cool Oh yeah. Yeah. And man, he's, he's such a, a versatile actor that, you know, you, you throw any script at him and he, he'll just knock it out of the park. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's like, I can't think of any bad performances of his. No, like uh, even that, uh, 
Oh, what, what was that newer film he was in? The, uh, was it Come to Daddy? Yeah, yeah, the Come to I Daddy. I haven't seen that one yet, but I've heard good things. Yeah, like, I mean, you know, after seeing him in Maniac and then coming back to playing a role, I wouldn't say it's quite like Maniac, but it's in that same realm of just, like, weird, um, I don't know, like, killer horror type of film. Okay. But, uh, you know, I mean, just him being able to, you know, I guess come back 10 years later to kind of not necessarily be in the same role, but um, in in the realm, I guess, or in the veins of Maniac in a way. Right. Uh, just just seeing like, you know, the, you know, the, the guy is just amazing at what he does. Oh, yeah. Huge talent. <laughs> and uh Man, I, I, I'd actually love to get him on my podcast one day. That's one of my bucket list goals. That's a luck. That would be awesome. <laughs> hey, but, but anyways, um, you know, you, you acted in the kids revenge, uh, as, as one of the, <laughs> uh, I don't know if I want to give anything away, but one of the, you know, you play a cowboy that gets into some trouble. Yes. Um, there is a funny story there. Um, so that in, in the film, I fall into a pond. Um, the pond was full of stagnant horse manure. Mm. No one else was going to do it. So that is why I'm in the film. Uh, I see. I, I couldn't ask someone to do that. So I was like, all right, well, here's my role. <laughs> I mean, like the, the scene though is really good. Thank it, you. You know, like, uh, yeah, I won't spoil anything, but yeah, I mean, just, you know, being able to pull off like that, that type of thing. And then just being able to sit in, I didn't know that the water was filled with horse manure. So that kind of adds to, it was gross. Well, more, more kudos to you, man, for being able to pull that off. (laughs) Yeah, it was really fun. It was like, I got, I had to get down into the water first and r.i.p those boots because they're gone now but we had like um, a a monitor that was uh wireless that like we could hang like somebody could hang it out over the lake and i could see the monitor so i could see how i needed to position myself in the water like on the camera so that was like a super convenient thing that like helped so modern technology for the win <laughs> for sure man um and then uh, you acted as uh, the creature in a movie called Painted in Blood. Yeah. Uh, could you could you tell us a little bit about that film? Yeah. Painted in Blood was a really awesome experience. Um, the lead actor in Painted in Blood was the lead actor in Death Ranch, DeAndre Teagle, who is also one of the two lead actors in my feature film, The Visitor. Um, it was directed by Aaron Murtis, Aaron, I met through Charlie because we both worked on Death Ranch together. Aaron was a producer on Death Ranch. Um, so Pain and Blood was about to get made when COVID hit. And then the plane tickets to fly, uh, to fly DeAndre out were canceled because of all the flights being canceled. So... It was postponed a few months, and then it was pretty much like right in the thick of lockdown, we decided to make it. 
So it was only Aaron and I were the entire crew. Um, most days on set, it was just Aaron, I, DeAndre, and maybe one other actor. It was rare for there to be a day where there was more than four of us, which was just a really weird and interesting experience. Um, I was running sound when I wasn't in the costume. And when I was in the costume, we would have it set up just recording near where it needed to be. Uh, it was a really interesting experience making something like so incredibly small. And we were all like really proud of what came out of it. It was a really, I, I suggested, I think it's a really cool movie. DeAndre's acting in it is really, really solid. He's a great actor. Um, but yeah, that was, it was an interesting experience to play a creature because I had always wanted to do a creature role, especially like, you know, being into like monster movies and slasher films growing up. So yeah, I, I had a lot of fun with that. And then uh, recently on that Night Harvest movie that Charlie made, Charlie Steeds, um, it'll probably come out this year. I was hired for sound and we had issues um, hiring out a person to be in the scarecrow costume to be the killer. And, uh, you know, one person was only available for a day and then the next person didn't want to do it. And then somebody didn't want to do it right in the middle of shooting one day. So one day I had to hand the sound gear off to somebody else and I got in the costume. And then I had to leave for a couple of days for a wedding. But when I got back, Charlie was like, so you're the monster now. Like you're the scarecrow in this movie. He was like, the stuff looks best on you. You know what you're doing and you're not complaining about it. So it's yours. And I was like, all right, sounds good. You know, it was fun. I had a good time doing it. Awesome, man. So, so now you can say that you're like the killer in two films. Absolutely. Yeah. Two protagonists. That's pretty cool, man. Yeah, it was a good time for sure. I, I look forward to that one coming out. For sure. Yeah. And, you know, I mentioning Charlie, like, man, that guy is like a workhorse. It seems yeah. like every move or every year he's got a movie coming out. And dude, he might be making like, up to six movies a year right now I, I don't I can't keep up it's insane I, I love it for him but yeah I mean he's definitely doing at least like four a year right now holy crap man yeah that, I mean more power to him dude but you know just thinking about him making like f at least four movies a year like that's just <laughs> it's insane man it's wild and it's cool to see like you know as he grows he's able to maybe like hire people to help him with like post-production or something like that every now and again. And that allots him a bunch of extra time to make a whole nother movie, which is just like a super cool concept in this like small filmmaking world that we live in. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, uh, as far as like, um, um, uh, painted in blood, like we're, is that film like somewhere where like, is it streaming anywhere or when is that going to be released? Um, it is streaming. Chances are it's on Tubi and Amazon. And it's like when it came out, I know it hit all of the VOD rental platforms. So chances are, you know, you can pretty much probably go find it and rent it anywhere. But I think if you want to see it like free with ads, it's probably on Tubi, but I haven't checked here recently to be for sure. And then we had talked about Death Ranch as well. Death Ranch is on Peacock right now. Oh, wow. 
I, I think it's on uh, Tubi. Cool. Yeah, it should yeah. be on there too, hopefully. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah, and actually, you know, Charlie's got several films on Tubi, so if people oh, yeah. want to check out his films. Uh, I went through one day and I added them all to the watch list and I took a picture and sent it to him. <laughs> it's like, there's like eight movies on here, dude. You know, what's, what's kind of crazy, um, um, I think I've actually picked up a couple of Charlie's films from uh, uh, Dollar Tree. Yeah. Which is, which is kind of crazy to think about. And what was funny was uh, um, around the time when I was setting up the podcast to talk to him, I went to Dollar Tree because sometimes I go there and try to find, you know, horror films that uh, that I don't have. Yeah, or... They got good deals. I've gotten yeah. some great movies for a dollar. Right. Yeah. I mean, you can get big name films there. Uh, depends yeah. on what you're looking for. But I think uh, in English Haunting. One of my favorites. One, one of the films that he made was yeah. there. And I was like, no way. I was like, and I'm going to be talking to him. So I was like, you know, I guess it's fate, you know, I, right. That's so convenient. That's awesome. Right. And then, uh, then I picked up the barge people soon afterwards. Nice. Which... Yeah. The barge people got like a Walmart release. I grabbed a copy there. Right. Right. Yeah. That's, I think that's where, you know, I, I don't know all the distribution things that like Dollar Tree does, but they do get a lot of like, I think stuff from Walmart that, like overflow stock or something like that and they just buy it off of them yeah that makes sense so yeah there's um you know several films like i mean shutter films you know i find a lot of shutter films there so yeah uh, they do a lot of the shutter films at walmart too yep yep but um but yeah man uh you did uh sound on a film called Ouija craft uh, yeah. the monster inside and then you got a newer one called the art of killing uh, could you tell us a little bit about those the Ouija craft was another movie that I did with Aaron Murtis that did painted in blood uh, I ran sound on that that movie was a blast it was just like getting a bunch of friends together to make a movie for a few weeks it was super fun um Obviously, it's a Ouija movie, and it's a lot like The Craft. Uh, so, yeah, no, it's a good time. And then, uh, <laughs> The Monster Inside was a short film by my friend Ashley Hamelman. I ran sound on it. I cameo in it at the end, and then I helped with the edit on it some. It's a fun film about uh, struggling with dependency, um, most specifically with alcohol, but it can be seen as a metaphor for a lot of different life struggles. Um, and then the art of killing is a movie that will be coming out probably this year, maybe next year, um, that I got hired to work on, um, most of the production, uh, running sound. And it's kind of like a, uh, like a, Bob Ross slasher satire kind of movie and uh, <laughs> very 80s it's got a uh, there's a trailer up for it I don't know if it's on YouTube or just like on the Indiegogo page or something but it's a super fun movie uh, you know just like of what what we shot and what I've seen and everything it, it should be a good time heck yeah man and I think I've I've been seeing that movie float around the internet I think um, if I'm not mistaken i think jessa flux is on the film yeah they did some um i'm trying to remember 
if she, I think she might have been a part of like a teaser trailer or something. And then when I was away working on, I think, Night Harvest, they had her come out and did, um, I think, they said it was like the intro to the movie. I might be wrong. Um, and did either maybe like read it her bit for the feature or added on. I don't remember exactly what it was because I wasn't uh, involved with any of the production side or the early stuff. They just kind of had me out. But yeah, I know they were working with Jessa for sure. Nice. Wow. I didn't know that. Uh, so she's going to be a part of the Dark Harvest film as well. I didn't know that. Uh, no, no. I was working on Night Harvest uh, when she did her bit for uh, the uh, Art of Killing. Oh, OK. OK. So I did not. Uh, I had not met her, didn't work with her or anything. I mean, like, you know, there's, there's something about her. I got to say that it's like, you know, talking to a lot of the horror, like indie horror filmmakers and and actors and whatnot like she's she's growing like i don't know she's like a rising star right now when it comes to like the indie horror films because it seems like she's attached to like every film that um that i see like when i talk to filmmakers and when i was like oh yeah we have her in our film now and it's just like like, i'm alerted charlie she's a workhorse man you know she's always on it i'm sure she's reaching out to filmmakers left and right i'm sure filmmakers are reaching out to her left and right it's like you know she stays busy because she wants to and that's cool right yeah yeah she's i mean she's been on my podcast before we did a uh an indiegogo live on facebook which i'll i'll get that um up on youtube one of these days is that the uh, only one of those that you've done before i've i've done a couple facebook lives but um then i realized that it's hard to to find those videos on facebook so it's better just to do the the, the lives <laughs> on youtube okay okay um so that's where i'm kind of like moving all of that stuff to my youtube rather than facebook but um yeah she she was in uh, Satan Lives, The Rise of the Illuminati Hotties. Uh, it's a Sean Donahue film. So I had like her and Sushi on there and, and Sean as well. And now it was a good time just talking about those. Movies. Like an Indiegogo for the movie? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. yeah cool. I met Sean at a convention. I want to say maybe Cinema Wasteland, maybe Horror Hound. But yeah, I've I don't think I've seen any of his films. I'll have to check one out sometime. Yeah, there uh there there definitely uh is a lot of shock value in his films, I'll say. Well, I did um, grab um from Vinegar Syndrome, um Blood, Guts and Sunshine. I thought that looked really cool. There's like a bunch of interviews with a bunch of Florida filmmakers, like horror filmmakers over the year. Have you seen that one yet? Yeah, yep. I actually uh I picked that one up as well the vinegar syndrome one and uh i i i got a special thanks in there as well for i backed the indiegogo on that as well that's awesome um but yeah i mean that one i want to say is like i mean it's one it's a documentary but it's it's one of his best films in my opinion just because of you know i'm a huge documentary fan and you know they they did a very good job on that documentary Right. And it says it's got like William Griefy and like Herschel Gordon Lewis and, you know, Rico Browning, the original creature. Okay, cool. Uh, Yeah, there's it's a really cool documentary. People should check that one out. Yeah, I need to prioritize that. That's what's up. (laughs) 
we'll be right back uh, after hearing about the Prescribed Films Podcast Network. Uh, it's the podcast that the Rehor Podcast is a part of. And there's many other great shows along with uh, the Prescribed Films Podcast Network. So we will be right back. <laughs> You're listening to the Prescribed Films Podcast Network, home to hundreds of hours of free podcast entertainment. The shows on this network all have a common goal, providing you with the best discussions about movies and other forms of entertainment media. The PFPN hopes to fill your ear holes with audio joy. Visit our website with links to all the other amazing shows at www.thepfpn.com. Thanks for listening. And we're back. I'm here with uh, Dylan A. Young. We're talking about his films. And uh, now I think we're going to move on to another topic that uh, uh, fits well with this month. Uh, We wanted to talk about some Valentine's Day horror-themed films. And I got to say, there's not a lot of Valentine's Day horror films, so... We probably have a lot of the same ones on our list. But, yeah, we'll see. Um, I looked up some lists uh, of Valentine's Day horror films, and a lot of them would be like the same 12 to 20 movies just listed in a different order. Right. And then, like, and then here's the other thing. Um, like, you know, like ones that have direct ties with Valentine's Day, there's not a lot. But then there's also films that you could probably consider like films to watch during yeah uh, the uh time of the year like you know like brides of chucky mm-hmm. maybe a good one it's not really um valentine's day per se but i mean it's one of those films that could definitely tie into uh, you know if you and your loved one want to watch some horror films uh I've actually tentatively got plans to go see a screening at a theater of Bride of Chucky for Valentine's Day. Oh, really? Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> so, yeah, and then mentioning, so like mentioning Bride of Chucky, um, the other, well, the a film that I had on my list would be um, Valentine. Yeah. Which Catherine uh, Heigl plays in that one and then she also played in bride of chucky so that was kind of a uh, decent tie-in right valentine's a fun one it's got that vibe of like uh those like urban legend movies that were coming out at the time it's definitely like a you know a 2000s era slasher film it's just like a lot of fun good times right yeah that that was a time when uh you know i mean scream it had came out in like 96 I think so, yeah. Um, so after that, there was like that resurgence of the slasher where, you know, Scream was such a big hit. And, you know, without Wes Craven, you know, we probably wouldn't have gotten slasher films in later years. It might have been something that was stuck in the 80s, early 90s and then forgotten about. But lo and behold, Wes Craven comes back with a fresh take on the genre and you know, we got a plethora of knockoffs, so to speak. Oh, yeah. Um, 
like the I Know What You Did Last Summer films. Right. Oh, yeah. Uh, Urban Legend, and then Valentine, which, uh, pop quiz, uh, do you know who, uh, or I guess, well, who directed Valentine's, or Valentine, uh, do you know uh, what other film he directed? Hmm, I'm trying to think. So, the director and writers of the, it was two different people, right? Because I feel like, did maybe, like, Kevin Williamson write it and Jamie Blanks directed it? Uh, I'm not really sure who, who wrote it, but yeah, Jamie Blanks directed this film, but he also directed another film that fits into the slasher resurgence i'll know it as soon as you say it but i can't remember right now so the director of this film also directed urban legend right and there's um i guess like another weird tie-in but uh one of the actresses jessica caulfield i think that's how i pronounce her name uh, she played in Urban Legends Final Cut, so okay. I don't know. Just from knowing um, the director from Urban Legends being with this film, I wonder if you know that's how she got to work on the next Urban Legend. Yeah, I could see that. Um, and there was like Urban Legend Bloody Mary. Was that the second or the third one? I want to say that was. Uh, I want to say that was a third one. I'm pretty sure it's like, I think these movies just got nice Blu-ray releases, but they were like UK only, right? Um, I know Valentine got US Shout Factory. I think think Shout Factory did the Urban Legend ones as well. Okay. If I'm not mistaken. Yeah, they did like a a trilogy pack or whatever. Sick. Yeah, I need to get on that then. Yeah, yeah. I, You know, looking back, like Urban Legend, I mean, even though those were kind of like I want to say knockoff of Scream, but you know, if it wasn't for Scream, those films wouldn't have gotten made. But right. oh, they're fun. Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm trying to say. Though is like, even though they were kind of like trying to ride the tailcoats of Scream, they're actually pretty decent films. Um, yeah, you know, I mean, they were inventive. Yeah, yeah, like there was they weren't just like, you know, exactly like Scream. Like they they had their own distinctive like formula of you know what they're trying to do and right um you know urban legend was pretty good i thought and then like even valentine like i know a lot of people don't really like it or it got like kind of crappy reviews but you know after watching it from i mean i remember watching it back when it was released and i thought it was good um but then you know watching it years later like uh i think last year i watched it with my wife for valentine's day or whatever around the time and uh i was like i think it holds up i mean i think it's a really good slasher film and you know on valent for a valentine's day slasher film i thought you know it's really good yeah i watched it for the first time when the screen factory blu-ray came out and i thought yeah it was really fun it's just it's in that same vein of those other films that were being made by those same groups of people at the same time right right and uh you know there's there's a lot of familiar faces like you know we see denise richards you know she most probably most famously known for uh being a bond girl and then wild things 
Uh, with Nev Campbell. And Tam, <laughs> Tammy and T-Rex in the T-Rex. Uh, classic from uh, Venice Vinegar Syndrome put out a 4K. I think it was one of their uh, very uh, early 4K releases. I think it was the second one after Rad. It, right? Yeah, I think Rad was the first one. And then Tammy and the T-Rex. Classic. Which, which yeah, I mean, it looks phenomenal on 4K. Oh, yeah. When we were making um, Painted in Blood, I made the director and lead actor watch Tammy and the T-Rex with me. And it was a blast. <laughs> Heck, yeah. Um, and then, like, man, one of my favorite films, Starship Troopers. Oh, played great. In that one. Yeah, Starship Troopers is awesome. And it's such a shame that it's like... I'm I'm pretty sure still hasn't made its money back, even though it's like technically a successful film. Yeah, um, the I mean the the sequels, they kind of you know got lower. Right, one's Boys. animated, right? Yeah, they have they have an animated one. The second one, I don't know if you've seen the second one, but they kind of took that on like a like an alien or like the thing. They kind of took that approach where it was more like like body horror type of thing, which was kind of wild, you know. That's awesome. Um, I haven't I I haven't watched it lately. I need to revisit that one because at the time when I watched it, I you know, I was expecting like Starship Troopers, you know, like just action, killing bugs. So they definitely did a 360 spin on it. To where I think that's where I like I wasn't really into it, you know, because yeah, I'm like, you're, like anticipating going in, right? So I was disappointed, but you know, I might want to revisit that one looking at it as like a horror film, like you know, that they definitely took that more into the horror realm rather than nice. you know, sci fi action horror. Yeah, I grabbed two and three on Blu ray, but I've not gotten a chance to watch them yet. Yeah, I, I don't know if I've seen the third one. I know that they got Casper Van Dien back okay. on, on the third one, like the Marauders one. Yeah, Marauders. I think that's the one I yeah. Yeah, so I I probably need to watch that one too. The third one. Um we have Valentine, the the budget on that film was twenty nine million, and in wow. the box office they made thirty six point seven million. So you know, it was successful enough to where they got their money back and then some. But yet, you know, it just, I don't know, had mixed reviews. Like it wasn't, you know, right. well received by people. But I mean, you know, it was big enough to where, you know, I, and I think the name draw there right. is what got their money back. So, you know, thankfully they decided to bring in like Denise Richards and then David uh, Barinez. I forgot how, how to say his name. But the right. guy it's like an Angel and Buffy. Yeah, yeah. They had a good like, you know, who's who of like those kind of movies at the time. But like one of the problems is it's like while they made back their budget, they probably didn't make back any of their marketing budget, which like those companies sometimes spend as much as they spend on making the movie to like promote it so like 
all the money that goes into making the DVDs and the Blu-rays and all the money that makes like the theater ads and TV ads and everything and goes into the commercial and pays for the poster and pays for the trailer to be made. Like they're spending millions and millions of dollars on that stuff. And if they don't make that money back too, then they don't want to hire the filmmakers to like make another movie for them. So it can be kind of like a tragic situation for some filmmakers where like they just kind of don't, spend the money appropriately on the marketing campaign and it can like stunt the filmmaker hmm. so i wonder yeah i wonder if like they, they might have actually lost some money then yeah it sucks it's kind of crazy to think about but yeah like sometimes they'll match the movie's uh budget with just budget for marketing and ads wow so maybe i don't know maybe that kind of uh is a reason why like jamie blanks didn't really go on to do too many films you know yeah, stuff like that can like completely just put a hitch in your career. It really sucks. And like, especially when you get used to making big movies and then you're like, all right, well, if I make another movie again, it's going to be a tenth of the size of the last movie I made or a tenth of the budget. It's kind of de it's demotivating, you know? It's like, yeah. I don't know if I want to deal with that again. Right. Then yeah, it's a shame because um, in my opinion, you know, like like I mentioned earlier, like Urban Legend is a decent film, and yeah. then I think that, you know, I don't, I think Valentine's is a Valentine is a decent film. Absolutely. You know, it's kind of a shame to see, you know, it it it's when it comes down to it, it's all business when it comes to filmmaking. So it's kind of kind of a shame to see his career kind of go downwards in a way from after this film, right. Um, but yeah, I wanted to mention like, uh, you know, Catherine Heigl, she's in this film for a little bit, but I wanted to mention, or I wanted to bring her up because from what I've read, she absolutely hates this movie and she wishes that she never did the film. Huh, I wonder what like specifically makes her feel that way. Yeah. I don't know exactly, you know, what d deterred her to, to, think that way because i mean she's only in the movie for a little bit but i mean i thought she did a fantastic job and then you know she had a big memorable scene in there too so yeah uh, it's like sadly it's like you know she goes in there gives it her all she's in the movie for a few minutes that part of the movie is great the movie is great let's say but it doesn't perform well at the box office then casting directors start looking at her like she's some kind of like a risk to take because she was in this movie that bombed, no matter how small her role is, because maybe they didn't watch the movie. They just saw that she's in it, she's billed high, and it didn't do well, you know? And it's like, they don't see her performance and all that. It's just stuff like that you run into all the time. It sucks. Right. Yeah. 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 She, she did great in that film. I'd honestly like to see her in, in more horror films just because, I mean, she's a, she's a good actress. Yeah. And all the horror films that I've seen her in, she's done great. She's only done a couple, but um, um, I wanted to mention uh, another, th another thing I wanted to mention, bring her up was um, ironically, she was in a, I think it was like a Disney movie back in the day, like, uh, wish on a star i want to say um or wish upon a star okay. and it's kind of like those um i guess like a freaky friday movie where she switches place with her younger sister and her younger okay. sister switches with her but 
her sister was Daniel Harris in the movie, so it was kind of oh, that's I, fun. You know, kind of ironic that you know she's uh, a big horror actress, and then to tie in with this film, right? Um, it's kind of kind of, I guess, ironic to see like you know just the paths that some of these actresses take, and then just the tie-ins with you know what what everyone's all worked on. Um, right yeah it's so common for me to just like realize there's just so many connections everywhere you look you know so-and-so's worked with so-and-so on this other movie it's kind of like that game like the the separations of kevin bacon you know what i'm talking about <laughs> like pretty much everybody's just a few separations away in the entertainment business industry from having worked with him because they worked with somebody else that did work with him it's just like right. it's funny you know it's like it's all so interconnected Right. Yeah. It's just, it's just kind of interesting to kind of see like those connections where it's like, oh, yeah, she, you know, uh, Daniel Harris worked with her on, you know, some like Disney shot, yeah. you know, made for TV movie. And, uh, That's awesome. I, <laughs> you know, and then just, and then, you know, two years later, Catherine Heigl's playing on Bride of Chucky. Right. It's crazy to think about. Shout out Halloween 4, my favorite Halloween movie. Yeah, yeah, that's a that's a good one. I wouldn't say it's my favorite, but I mean it's decent. No, I get it. It, it gets a lot of shit. What would you say is your favorite? I mean, I gotta go with the original. I just I love the original. Right, that's my second favorite. Um, and then I I really like Halloween three, which I know that gets nice. a lot of crap, but um, yeah, no, I mean Halloween three is awesome. It gets a lot of crap because it should have maybe just been called Season of the Witch. You know? Yeah. But uh, I think a lot of people forget that um, John Carpenter's original ideal, uh, like for Halloween, he wanted them to be completely separate films, right? Kind of like an anthology series, right? The success of the first one just spawned the sequel, and then people got used to it. Yeah, you know, I yeah, it's one of those things where. You know, if he were to have made season of the witch right after Halloween, then maybe people would have gotten the idea. But right. but since you know Halloween two is a continuance to Halloween, I think that's really what threw people off. Yeah, yeah, and I think you know it's like without the sequel, would we have ever gotten the franchise that is Halloween and have the character that is Michael Myers? You know, it's like it's uh it's interesting to consider like what would have been right yeah that's crazy to think that you know people's decisions really like i don't know that's a huge that's a huge thing where you know butterfly effect (laughs) right (laughs) yeah that's crazy to think about that just you know things by a flip of a coin could have been completely different oh yeah um and then uh, one other actress I wanted to bring up that um, played in Valentine, Marley Shelton, who uh, has played in Planet Terror, Death Proof, and then uh, Scream 4, and then the newest Scream, and Sin City. Like, she, in my opinion, is um, an underrated actress because she hadn't really had, like, a... I don't want to say like she was never like build like the top build actress in a film 
she's more of like a supporting actress type of actress but she was pretty much billed like the top billed lady in uh in valentine which is kind of nice to see like her kind of take the spotlight yeah yeah and it's like you know she's got to be close with probably rodriguez with that filmography that she's got being in all of those films you know where it has some kind of connection with him so it's cool that you know he's able to recognize her talent and find the right roles for her right right yeah because i think maybe after valentine i don't know what you know, I'd have to look at her films again, but uh, you know, she really wasn't like top build or you know, like one of the main um actresses in a film, uh, or a leading role, I should say, right? Until right. like Planet Terror, I guess you could consider her as like a leading role in that film. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think she's an underrated actress. I think she should have been in a lot more films in in a, in a bigger role over the years. And, uh, you know, she did terrific in Valentine, I guess is what I'm trying to get at. Yeah. It's cool that there was like, you know, that, that moment she was able to shine in Valentine and have that bigger role and everything. And you never know, like sometimes it's a role like that, that can lead to someone's resurgence 20 or 30 years down the line, like the way that, you know, some of the films this year have been helping um, actors come back into the spotlight, like uh, The Whale and Everything Everywhere All at Once. Right, right. Yes, yeah, it's, it's it's amazing, man. It's amazing how, you know, and thankfully a lot of these filmmakers uh, remember these people, you know, like yeah. remember, like remembering Short Round from uh, Indiana Jones and the Temple right. of Doom. You know, it's like bringing him back and... You know, it's, the filmmaking experience is like akin to like the summer camp experience. It's like you get together with this big group of people, a lot of which you probably don't know. Some people you've probably been to some camp with before the year before or something, you know, and it's like you do all this work and all these events and you, you know, bond and everything. And then you all just leave and, you know, maybe you'll go to summer camp next year. Or maybe you'll work on another movie with these people again, but you never know. And it's just like, yeah, it's like at the end of the day, maybe you'll never see those people again, but you're normally going to remember almost all of them. It, you know, it's like the bigger budget that you start to work on, you can't even meet everybody on a set. So it's obviously, you know, it just kind of depends on what kind of films you're talking about. But like on these indie movies, it's like, yeah, I'm not going to forget, you know, the few people I worked with that day on the set of The Art of Killing. But it's like, you know, you know, one of them might get really big one day and you never know. It's just like those interesting connections that you see where like, you know, it can affect your career so much down the line. You never could have expected it. Right. Yeah. Yeah, man. It, this, this business is, uh, is, is a wild business. And uh, yeah, you, you just never, you never know if you're going to run into the same people or, right. you know, it's, it's wild to think about. Um, so yeah, Valentine, uh, the film just, I guess real quickly, uh, it's about like five women, five women are stalked by an unknown assailant while preparing for Valentine's day. Uh, it's, I want to say like your typical slasher, but yeah, it's, it's a, a setup to, um, a slasher film where you don't know who it's like a whodunit. You don't know who the killer is. And then, you know, there's a big twist at the end. You, you really won't know who the, the killer is until the very end. 
so yeah it's it's a it's definitely a, a solid slasher film that i think people need to revisit oh yeah absolutely um the next one or i guess you want to pick the next what's the next uh horror film uh, so i would love to mention psychos in love uh one of vinegar syndrome's film have you gotten a chance to see that i have not seen that one could you tell okay. us about that one so definitely check it out. I'm pretty sure it's a Gorman Beecher film. Um, and Vinegar Syndrome's released another one of his films before. Um, and yeah, it's it's just like a really fun um, satirical film about two serial killers that fall in love with each other, realize they're serial, serial killers, and also they like to bond over their hatred of eating grapes. They really dislike grapes and it comes up in the plot multiple times and it's kind of like, uh, it would be a good meme. You know what I mean? But, uh, <laughs> but yeah, it's just a super fun movie and it's just like gross and funny and it's a, it's a good time. It's definitely worth checking out. You know, if you're looking for some movie you've never heard of that you want to take a blind buy risk on on Vinegar Syndrome's website, check out Psychos in Love. All right. Yeah, most definitely. I think I've seen the name pop up before, but... Uh... You know, I just one of those films I hadn't been able to check out yet. Right. I, I love uh, the, the ending of the film kind of like breaks the fourth wall in a very like fun and quirky way. It's it's very enjoyable. Hmm. I most definitely have to add that to my watch list. For sure. Um, yeah, there, uh, there's one movie I wanted to mention. It's not really technically a Valentine's Day film. Like it doesn't take place on Valentine's Day, but it's one that I think you know, it would be a good watch around the Valentine's Day weekend or whatever. Um, the Love Witch from that 2016. Actually, yeah, that was the next one on my list as well. Anna Biller's film is really cool. What, what are you saying about it? Um, well, what what I really liked about the film was, uh, you know, it, it's it's one of those like uh, timepiece movies, and the way that she made the film look like it looked like it was like shot in like the late 60s 70s early 70s and uh just you know beautifully shot um even like the camera angles and everything like it looked like even kind of looked like uh like possibly even italian a little bit with just like some yeah. of the the shots um, and Samantha Robinson just, I mean, she's so mesmerizing in that film. It's like she really was able to encompass the role really well and like make you wonder like not only like, you know, is this a good character or not, but also like does she know if she's a good character or not? You know, it's, yeah, she did a really great job with that. And you're right, like it, it feels, you know, it's, it's a timeless movie. And it's like, you can watch the film and see there's like modern cars and stuff like that. You know, it's, it's similar to uh, the way that I did Veronica, my first short film where it's like, you know, there's, it's obviously set in modern times, but there's a lot of like classical elements throughout the whole film that make it like, you know, feel more like, you know, in Love Witch's case, kind of like a 50s, 60s kind of feeling. But, but yeah, Love Witch is just an awesome film. And you're right, like, it's really all about the aesthetic and, you know, the director 
did a lot of that herself, almost everything herself, by making the costumes, doing some of the paintings, doing all of the set design. I'm pretty sure she did hair and makeup some too. I'm not even sure, but like it was, it was very much like a labor of love on her part and she worked on it for years. And yeah, it just, it really shows. Yeah, yeah, most definitely. And uh, for the people that haven't watched the film, uh, the movie's about, like, uh, she's uh, a beautiful young witch, uh, which uh, is determined to find a man to love her in her gothic Victorian apartment. She makes spells and potions, then picks men up and seduces them. However, her spell works too well, and she ends up with a string of hapless victims when she at least meets the man of her dreams, her desperation to be loved drives her to brink of insanity and murder. So uh, it's it's a not really a murder mystery, but I mean, it kind of plays along like like uh, I guess kind of the theme of what we're talking about is we kind of know who the killer is and right. we're following their story. It feels um, like a murder mystery, but it's all played out right in front of you. Yeah, yeah. And there's just it's there's just something about the film though that just makes it so interesting to watch. Right. And you know, you're kind of just encaptivated by everything that's going on, you know, like with just you know, you have a, a beautiful main actress on the screen and just the way that the film looks and feels is just enough to keep you entertained. And then yet, you know, it plays out like a horror film where uh, you're following these people going in this downward spiral of wanting to find love. Right. And it's like the whole film is really focused on the aesthetic. And that's why it's like, no matter what's happening, a lot of the framing and a lot of the visuals, the props, the costumes, set deck, it's all very mesmerizing, you know, almost along the lines of something like, uh, the Holy Mountain, you know, by Alejandro Hodorowsky. You know, it's like, it doesn't matter what part of that movie you're watching. It's like, it's going to suck you in and almost hypnotize you a little. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So I would say definitely check out The Love Witch if you've never seen that film. I think it's streaming on like all the main platforms like Tubi, Peacock. Yeah. Oscilloscope Blu-ray of it too. Yeah. Yeah, so, yeah, it's definitely a film to watch. For sure. So, I know we didn't really get quite to a couple films, but... Oh, no worries. I can just, like, wrap up real fast and say, like, you know, a few other movies to check out around this time. Something new, Bones and All, new cannibal movie, really solid, cool love story. Um, And then, like, a few, like, kind of Valentine's-y, anti-Valentine's-y things that you could look into would be, like, Possession, or uh, Mandy, or Bride of Reanimator. All of those would be cool movies to watch around this time. Awesome, awesome. And uh, yeah, I guess like a couple that I had that um, are kind of the, the typical ones, but have to mention them. Uh, My Bloody Valentine from 1981. Classic. And then uh, maybe a double bill or um, with with the one from 2009, My Bloody right. Valentine 3D. Super fun. And then uh, I want to mention that there's a newer fan film called Valentine Bluffs, a fan film of the 
My Bloody Valentine's universe. Yeah, I heard about that. Is that out already? Um, I think they just had their like, I don't know if it's like festival premiere. Like they had like the the world premiere uh, showing somewhere. Um, but I know that was like an Indiegogo backing type things. So I don't know if the backers have gotten copies yet or or what. But I know that it's going to be released sometime this, this year as far as possibly getting physical copies. So, um, you know, if you're a big... Yeah, if you're a big My Bloody Valentine's Day, uh, or might not day, but My Bloody Valentine uh, fan, definitely check that one out. Right on. Well, uh, Dylan, man, uh, is there anything that you'd like to plug in and uh, share, like any social medias or websites? Um, yeah, so we're not really on Twitter. You can find me personally, uh, just Dylan A. Young on Instagram, Facebook, um, I have a letterboxed account and then um, the website www.videonastys.com, videonasties.com I run. It's a horror merchandising website worth checking out. We've even got a shirt and a hat for one of Charlie's movies. But yeah, uh, just like a final plug, shout out Fright Bites, Louisville, Kentucky. If you're ever in that area, look and see if they've got any pop-ups going on and grab some good horror food. Awesome, man. Awesome. Definitely. Definitely have to check out the website. Yeah. yeah. Thanks for having me on, dude. Yeah, no problem. Um, yeah, Dylan, man, thank you for so much for coming on the show and talking about your films and some Valentine's Day horror films. Oh, yeah, for sure. We'll take it easy, man. All right. You too, buddy.